Did anyone in here know it's Reformation Sunday today? Which is the Sunday before Halloween. Uh, I think that's why Nick actually asked me to preach, because you grew up Anglican, which is like pretty close to Catholic. And so you said, we've got to get a Lutheran up here. That's exactly why. (laughs) I love the Reformation, actually. My sermon isn't related to the Reformation at all, but it's a really good thing to study, read about. Maybe not study, just read about it a little bit. Uh, Tonight, we're actually talking about prophecy, which is kind of like our first of the spiritual gifts of naturally supernatural. And before I dive into that, actually, I want to give a shout out to Bill Hess with the book table in the back. He has been equipping us with resources for as long as this church has existed. Um, It's been quite incredible with how faithful, one, he's lived his life of being dedicated to being sound doctrally and actually examining what in the world are we doing? Because it's like when you see something crazy, like God doing miraculous things, we go, oh, what's going on right now? And we want to figure it out. And that's great. And that resource table back there has been such a blessing to me. A lot of the books on there I've actually just read because of Bill uh, referencing them. But I, I want to reference three right now in particular. Naturally Supernatural, that sounds familiar. Uh, written by two vineyard pastors who actually tried to compact into a book a lot of what we're talking about uh, over this series. And then these two, you may all prophesy, and why I'm still surprised by the voice of God, are specifically on prophecy. So I'm going to do like a big flyover of prophecy tonight. Nick is not sure if he's going to do something on prophecy later on. Basically, if I leave a mess in some ways, then you might clean things up, which, yep, that usually happens, I guess, but um, yeah, if you, there's going to be a couple times tonight where I'll say like, I wish I could get into that more, but I'm not going to right now. Uh, these two books and a lot more, especially the, the Jack Deere stuff, I have found extremely helpful. So if you see his name on something, then his stuff for spiritual gifts is incredible. So tonight, we were talking about prophecy, and actually the, the thing I felt like I heard the Lord say with it was just make it clear, which is, is actually what I want us to be drawn towards in the prophetic gifting. Make it clear, okay? Uh, a very helpful definition to maybe get things going here, uh, Wayne Grudem, I liked his, because it's extremely clear here. He says, this is Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So we can differentiate a lot about the nature of prophecy. So music is prophetic in nature. Art, dance, preaching, those things are prophetic in nature in that we are declaring something of the Lord. Uh, in, in Revelation, it even says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's foretelling, like, hey, he saved me, that means he's going to do it again. That's like, it's prophetic, okay? But, and I, it's kind of, the lingo can be tough. Tonight, what I'm going to, when I say prophecy, I'm specifically talking about what Wayne Grudem defined that as right there, which is telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind which is kind of an important differentiation there, the spontaneously and God bringing it to mind. 
okay, which will connect a little bit here. So one of the most common objections I've actually heard when talking about prophecy, is it for today or whatnot? I'm not going to unpack too much as to why I would argue it's for today because that's kind of been a lot of what we've been moving towards anyway. Uh, with past sermons, past sermon series, there's been a lot on that. But I want to bring up this one thing of Old Testament versus New Testament prophecy. And this is something you could get into a lot. That's the first thing. But I want to start by simply reading Acts 2 because it's like, it's kind of like the doors burst open passage of this whole Holy Spirit shenanigan stuff that we're getting into. And prophecy has a major role there. So Acts 2, starting in verse 14, I think we're going to be up on the slide here. Yeah. It says, but Peter standing with the 11, sorry, this is Holy Spirit rushes in. Everyone starts speaking out in tongues, going nuts. People think that the disciples are drunk. That's the scene. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, which is morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So here, direct connection. Spirit pour out, prophesy. And he, the prophet Joel, he, he just lays it, he kind of starts like bigger, like sons and daughters, they'll prophesy. Young men, they're going to prophesy. Old men, they're going to prophesy. You know what? Servants will, male, female will. You have the spirit, you're going to prophesy. That's, Holy Spirit comes, bursts open, bam, prophesy. That's how the scene's set here. Almost like the beginning of the New Testament, in a sense. This, this uh, new mark on the timeline of God's story, of the Holy Spirit being given to the church. That's that separation right there between Old and New Testament that I, I kind of want us to just remember, because... There's, there's been a question in my head. People have dialogued with me about it. Like, why don't we just kill someone when they, and I mean literally, why don't we kill someone when they get a wrong prophetic word? Because that's what the Old Testament says to do. And it's like, uh, I'm not saying anything because that could be wrong, <laughs> right? But I want to, and I'm going to unpack that a little more here. But this is, this is the big heart right here. That the spirit opened up. There's a new day. Everyone's going to prophesy. Everyone. So we can't be killing everyone. So that's going to help us. <laughs> so Paul, in multiple different places, but we're going to camp out a little bit in uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, he has a list of spiritual gifts, and the ones were kind of like that fall under the umbrella of prophecy then. So I kind of differentiated earlier. There's prophetic nature of things, dance, music. Uh, but then there's also different nature of prophecy. And what Paul says is utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, distinguishing between spirits, or interpretation of tongues. So those things can all kind of fall under the category of spontaneously telling something that God brings to mind. Uh, and, and that's kind of the fun part about this, is like, if you haven't started maybe 
a more regular rhythm of hearing God's voice, asking him questions, uh, then this is like a fun journey to get on, to learn where it is like your strengths, your giftings are. And I don't want to get too caught up in like, oh, is this a word of knowledge or is this a prophetic word? Like, oh, it's like a foretelling. Uh, we can break those things down a little bit, but that's almost like not the point. Those things can be helpful in terms of discerning what to do with something that someone may give you. But the big thing here is like the nature of prophecy, God speaking, God revealing, and then we'll learn how to discern what to do next. So I think that's 1 Corinthians 12 when he says that after the, the body has many members passage. Uh, and then one more differentiation here, and then we're going to get into more fun stuff. But I, wanna, I want us to get a whole grasp here. Uh, there's also the, the role or the office of a prophet. And that's something that is much more unique. Uh, there may be only a few of us in this body, in this room right now, who carry something like that. Uh, and Paul actually lists it in line of... Uh, it's, oh, I'm going to just read the verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles. And then he kind of goes on a little bit more enlisting people with specific strong giftings in a particular way. So I believe we've covered it a little bit, but just to reiterate, we all have full access to every spiritual gift that God has given it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives freely here. But there is like a tendency that the Holy Spirit is, is highlighting people with particular anointings to do a certain thing. That's a great thing. And recognizing that can really be helpful in terms of your role in the body. Are you an intercessor? Are you a person full of faith to, to pray for faith, to see miracles? Uh, are you a person who longs to see healing and you've seen healings happen just by you saying words. <laughs> like, like, then you kind of get a good idea as to what those things are leaning. And so when you read about prophecy, I, I want to hit all this stuff because you're going to see, I want you to, to read these scriptures for yourself too. When you see that, almost like, look at the order of importance as to what God is trying to say about something like prophecy. And so when he talks about like the office of a prophet, don't get caught up in like, oh, do I need a prophet? I need a prophet to have God speak to me. Or maybe I'm a prophet. How do I, if I prophesy, am I a prophet? Maybe. <laughs> but that's all, that's all part of this process, is figuring things out. Uh, it's really fun, and the Lord is with you to do that. And I'll say one thing there before moving on with that. Uh, a strong way to know is to see how others are blessed by you in the body. So, I actually basically just became like a worship leader very accidentally because originally it started out like I just wanted to be able to sing songs to the Lord. But then I figured out, oh, this can be a way of service to the body. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to walk in that now. There's this, as you grow, there's going to be a natural process of, of learning these things. Uh, it'll be messy at times, but that's a great thing. All right, so 1 Corinthians 2. Here's the heart of God speaking today. And this is something that I, I want us to maybe even 
picture ourselves in like the scene here. I loved uh, what Ryan had there spontaneously. Um, of, of infinite beauty. He alone is holy. There's a huge space of ourselves and God and infinite exploration there. So 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of God, omit wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, when no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Let's stop. So Paul starts on those first five verses. Uh, He's saying, I came to you quite pathetic. And actually the description we have here of Paul, I would read that and I would go, I don't really want to go to a conference of someone who's not super confident in how they speak or almost like intentionally uh, not being eloquent. <clears throat> but here, like he, he kind of pitches himself as that. Like there's no other option for Paul but for it to be the power of God. And that power of God is not just like miraculous healings or miracles, but he's specifically directing the power of God to the words that he's saying. So Paul is intentionally saying, I was extremely pathetic in how I presented things to you, but it was the power of God, so it it pierced your heart in those words. Those words had power because it was God. And then, he says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. No one's seen it. No one's imagined it. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How exciting is that? (laughs) No one's seen it. No one's heard it. But God has revealed it to us through the Spirit. 
And I want to specifically make that connection there because in verse 8, he says, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So he makes this, there's, there's almost like a, a weave, a pattern of uh, Jesus' crucifixion and rising from the grave and then that being like the, the manifestation of the opening up of God's glory, of him fully revealing these things to us. And that's like one of the anchor points right there, that his death, resurrection, and an outpouring of the Spirit is like the key, the everything of God speaking and us prophesying. It's going to go back to that. It's, it's always going to go back to the cross. It's always going to go back to his resurrection and us being given the Spirit. What God has prepared for those who love him. What did he have prepared for us? That's that beautiful thing. Jesus' death on the cross. But then what's beautiful is God doesn't stop there with us. The Spirit searches the depths of God, knows the thoughts of God, and then freely gives those things to us. It's like, I, even as I'm saying it, it's like, that can't actually be true, right? Like Because like my reality doesn't exactly feel like that. But what Lydia prayed from Deuteronomy and then had to sing before the, the singing that bridge again. It's like, yeah, when I, I started jotting things down of remembering before prepping this sermon of like the Lord speaking, it's like, that, that stuff is crazy. Like how the Lord has spoken in my life. Unintentionally seeking after it. And actually, actually there's one instance where I'm going to refer. That was intentional. But the other one's just like, I'm just minding my business and then God speaks. What he has prepared for those who love him. It is so much better than we think it is. And we get to hear him talk. We have the mind of Christ. Okay. I feel like there should be some worship there or something. <laughs> some of my next stuff is like how-tos, and I'm like, ah, I don't quite feel ready for that right now. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Giving us your spirit. We are in awe of how you have displayed yourself and humbled that we were, we were far off and dead in sin, but you spoke to our hearts. You said, come alive. And we did. Thank you for your powerful word. Lord, would you pour out your power in the prophetic word in this church right now? Thank you that there is opportunity for demonstration of your power through your voice and your speaking. 
Actually, I want to share one testimony from prophecy to encourage us into, into how this might even be applied in our lives. Um, I was on like an evangelism trip uh, when I was in college, and so we would go out in groups and evangelize, and it was a blast. Um, but one in particular has really stuck out to me for some time because of how simple and then powerful it was. And so I was with two others, and we went up to a group of high schoolers, and, you know, we asked, hey, like, we believe God speaks today. Do you believe God speaks today? And they're like, yeah, I guess he can. Like, I'm not going to say no, God can't speak, but, and so we kind of talked with them a little bit. Um, we don't really know if any of them are Christian or not, uh, but we find out afterwards that all of them but one had, would consider themselves a Christian. And so this one, she didn't go to youth group, didn't go to church, unchurched background, never even like would try to consider herself a Christian, that kind of thing. Um, so we, we go around and prophesy over all of them, get, get words. Uh, and it was actually, it was really fun because uh, they were really simple words, almost discouragingly simple. Uh, like one of them, uh, like I, I can't actually remember who gave it, but some, one of us was like, oh, I just see you dancing. She goes, my name is Cha-Cha. <laughs> and they're all like giggling and stuff and laughing. We carry on. There's a few more. The next one, we say, oh, we, we see vegetables. Does that mean anything to you? She says, I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, okay, that's cool, I guess. I, mean, I don't think it's cool, but <laughs> like, whatever, right? Like, do your thing. Uh, so like we just carry on. We get feedback from them. Nothing profound. But then... Uh, one of the, the guy I was with, he stops the one who we saw vegetables over, and he goes, something that just the Lord wants you to know is that God sees you, and she just loses it. Uh, and that was the one who wasn't a Christian. <laughs> so the simple word of vegetables, I'm a vegetarian, God sees you, broke her, and she gave her life to the Lord with her other friends laying hands on her who were Christians, and she, they all walked away recognizing that she was going to be in community with this other group. Like, they all went to the same youth group and that kind of stuff. That was one of the coolest moments because it was like, like, one of the things I would even worry about with evangelism was like, well, it's like, I'm not connected to them. I can't, like, make sure they're in a church or anything like that. But the Lord was so kind that even one of the first times I went out, it was like, she, <laughs> we're, she's getting saved and then put in community and the first time through. Uh, another story from, I can't remember if it was the same trip or not, but uh, we would pray for the Lord to say a word before we went out for evangelism. And so I'm sitting there praying, and all I see is a picture of myself. Like as I'm, I was wearing a white t-shirt, blue jeans, and white shoes. And I just kept seeing myself wearing that. I just thought, this is great. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing to work with right now. Uh, I'm walking by myself past a bench. There's a teenager, white shirt, blue jeans, white shoes. I go, okay, we'll shoot my shot here. And start talking with him. We ended up talking for about 45 minutes. Exact same struggles, exact same family background. But he wasn't a Christian. 
got to lead him to the Lord. And it was another cool moment where it was like, it was, it was such a personal word of seeing myself, but the Lord also in that moment gave the time of me being able to sit by myself with the other person. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, this is like a selfish thing to me because all I see is myself right now. <laughs> but again, those simple words here, that's, that's kind of what I want us to hone in on tonight. And then what I started with is the things that we can kind of grow into and the Lord wants to reveal and wants to give us more of those, more of those things too. Um, so to look at an example, this is a really funny one. Uh, we're going to go to Acts 21. Acts 21, verse 8. And so this is kind of at the end of one of Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, yeah, I'll just start in verse 8. We entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am, not, I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we seized and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. And then let's jump ahead to verse 30. In between, Paul does go to Jerusalem. He starts evangelizing, making a commotion. This is what it leads to. Verse 30. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. So now I just talked about how awesome prophecy is, and then we get this. <laughs> kind of downer, right? <laughs> but here's what's crazy. The prophetic word was kind of right and kind of wrong. And it's in scripture. So, Agabus comes out. He says, I have this belt. The Jews of Jerusalem, whosoever this is, he does a prophetic act and binds himself with the belt. The Jews of Jerusalem will arrest this man. But who, you notice down here, 30 through 34, who was it that arrested Paul? It was the Romans. So the Jews started the riot, dragged him out, were ready to kill him. The Roman army appears. The Jews back off because of fear of rioting and being in trouble for that. The Romans arrest Paul. What gives there? Because <laughs> there's a lot of disconnects with what I would assume a biblical example of prophecy is. So let's talk about that. Uh, Revelation, interpretation, application. Those are the three most helpful ways I find thinking about a prophetic word. Revelation, 
interpretation, application. Okay. So in this example, the revelation Agabus says was whoever's Paul is going to be arrested by the Jews. But he was wrong. It was the Romans who arrested him. We can't really know exactly where the disconnect was. I mean, he was kind of right. Paul was arrested. Uh, but my best guess would be he saw a picture, like often what I see when I prophesy, and many of you, it's one of the more common things, like, okay, Lord, how are you speaking right now? I have my eyes closed, and then I just see a picture of vegetables or something like that. Uh, my guess is Agabus saw a Jewish mob laying their hands on Paul. It could have been other ways. We're not really sure. Agabus doesn't have a follow-up here, which is why if you come up and get ministry team prayer, there's usually a follow-up time. Uh, but he took a next step. He saw the revelation of Paul being arrested and then interpreted that as the Jews arresting Paul. And then the Christians in that room applied it by saying, don't go to Jerusalem. But Paul said, no, <laughs> that's not the application. I'm going to Jerusalem because these are the things that the Lord has set out for me. So he already had a prophetic direction. And the interpretation of another prophetic word to him didn't seem like, that that's, doesn't sit well. I need to still follow through with what the Lord is asking me to do. Which is just so funny to me that this is an example in scripture that maybe is one of the most clearest of those three steps. What's really fun, I would encourage you to look, to go through the Gospels. Look at how Jesus talked to random people when he encountered them. There's so many sermons that could be talked about there. But that is some of the most delightful stuff where it's like Jesus seeing people. And that, that maybe is a really good place to start with like a simple direction of prophetic word. But I wanted to unpack this one because it, it answers some of the questions for us as to how we can handle something. So revelation, interpretation, and application. So a few examples I wanted to give actually uh, also from my life that can be helpful. Uh, Chris and I just gotten married. I had just started a new job, uh, kind of at the job I'm at now. And I had a dream where I was on a big ship and it started sinking, and the captain of the ship was like, no one get off. We have to stay on the ship. It's sinking. We have to stay on the ship. And I was with, I can't remember who I was with, but I was with, like, people I was close to. And we were like, no, <laughs> we're getting off. And we busted through the window, which actually isn't really possible, but <laughs> busted through the window and came up, and the ship sank. And it was like, that's not a very fun dream, is it? For a while, I didn't know. I was like, okay, what are all the things I'm a part of? I'm, just, I'm part of Kingdom Life. Oh, I hope that's not it. Like, uh, it's not, it wasn't it. Like, here we are. <laughs> um, but I was trying to figure out, I, and I let that sit. Because there wasn't, there wasn't much activity in my life at the moment where I needed to, like, bust down and try to figure this out. A few months go on in this job, and it's clear. So we were a part of a network of other, other branches all across the state, and we started learning more and more about how much financial trouble the company was in. 
And one thing leads to another. Later in the spring, our board of the local Marion goes, hey, we're going to break off and start our own thing. And I was like, the dream, that's it. (laughs) I had no role really besides saying, I'm on board. (laughs) I don't know why the Lord chose to speak to me about it, but I shared the dream with my board and they were like, oh yeah, that's good. (laughs) I don't know if that's why, but what I do know is that God was thinking of me and prepped me that when that moment came, I didn't need to fear because I saw that we got out and we did. We've been going strong now for seven years as an independent uh, school that has been a blessing to my life and Kristen's life and the students who are a part of it. Uh, that's an important thing there because it's like, it's not, it, it wasn't about actively trying to work to figure it out in that moment. And to fault Agabus and the, and the group with Paul there, obviously they were concerned about Paul, so I understand where they're coming from. But jumping quickly to interpretation can lead to unhelpful prophecy where we become discouraged about, oh, prophetic words I've gotten, they aren't lining up. Uh, I thought the Lord was speaking to me. It felt so clear. I, was, I had so much confidence. And now, and I mean, I've had friends who, they've been very distraught over what was perceived to be a right prophetic word, seeming to be a wrong prophetic word. And then they leave more discouraged than before when they got the prophetic word. <laughs> but as we see in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul is so explicit with how prophecy is for the edification and building up of the church. So that's one of our first keys there in the interpretation and application is how is this one being, probably pump the brakes, be patient. Paul says to test all prophecies, hold on to what's good. If there's time, let the Lord play things out. Uh, We don't always need to force ourselves into seeing where the prophetic word goes. So another more simple one was one summer... I was in a season of transition. It was really hard. People prayed for me, and they said, uh, you have a David anointing coming. Like, uh, basically, they're saying, like, this next, this next season, God wants to reveal the heart of David to you, uh, which is kind of generic and simple. And in that, there was a little bit less risk involved, I guess you could say, of me diving into it, because it's like, one, if I do, and it's wrong, it's fine. <laughs> like, no, no foul there. Uh, but what that allowed me to do is actually step more strongly into that word. So I was actually, I was living at someone else's house. Uh, it happened really randomly. And I had to live in the basement by myself. Didn't have much social life. I cycled to work every day. And what I ended up doing was spending a lot of time in that basement playing a guitar by myself. Uh, when I would cycle into work, I, would, I found like this 40-part sermon series on the life of David, and I just listened to it. And it was one of the most fruitful things that has shaped me to this day of the, the heart of God, the heart of David after God. Uh, and then I would also write out the Psalms verbatim just in my journal for my Bible reading time. And so... Instead of, uh, in that, oh, sorry, in that instance, 
it was, it was extremely easy to, to come up with ways to follow that prophetic word. And so I did, and I obeyed, and it proved fruitful. Uh, so simple. And so that's kind of where maybe you, you can start, is have you ever received a simple prophetic word? And if not, then I, we're going to pray that you do get one. And then how can I simply follow that thing? The Lord might drop something on you, like this ship, ship is sinking, so you got to get out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if he does, bring it to wise people and weigh it. But the Lord so commonly speaks in these simple ways where we can, we can have a process with him with application and interpretation. Interpretation, application, sorry. Uh, so that leads us to two things I want to really hone in on as to what I think the Lord's heart for us is in pursuing prophecy. Uh, that is humility and desire. So humility is so key in prophecy because when you have the voice of saying, God's, God's speaking here, that is demanding weight. And rightfully so. Because we are trying to speak the things that God has revealed to us, that the Holy Spirit has the depths of God, knows the depths of God, and God has revealed to us to those who love him. So we're doing our best, okay? But that requires humility. Uh, the tough thing here is, you know, personalities can be different, so I'm not necessarily going to try to, like, say one thing. Like, there's, there's not, like, a black and white, like, oh, if a person's like this, then don't trust them. Like, knowing people helps. If a stranger gives you a prophetic word, almost take it with a grain of salt and, like, be like, I'm, I'm not going to forget that. It's here, something happens, then I know where to grab it, that kind of thing. Um, just simply because you, you don't know them, but God could certainly speak through them. He speaks through really everything in Scripture. <laughs> um, let's see, so Matthew 5, 6 through 8. Um, actually, I preached a killer sermon on humility a few months ago out of this passage. <laughs> it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus isn't talking about prophecy, the gift of prophecy here, but he's talking about a heart posture that I think is really important for us to grasp in how we use our words. Because there's, there's kind of two camps. A camp who wants to serve God, and so we're willing to go into a closet and no one see or hear us that we're doing this thing. And the other camp wants to be seen, and so they're going to stand where they can be seen and make their words more flamboyant. They're going to they're gonna make themselves very attractive in how things can be drawn. And they're going to make sure that they're heard. And that's one of the, the best keys with prophecy I think we can take away is that revelation, is it clear? So speaking a word that is 
Like, oh, I just see a David anointing on you. I just, I see there's a rainbow over your head. Whatever the picture is, whatever the, the impression is, uh, I like the phrase, you know when you're nowhere kind of thing, like your inner man that Ephesians talks about. Like, sometimes it's just like a gut feeling. Like I just know this thing, these are the words. Not trying to add like a fluff to it. Those can be really helpful in setting people up well to know what to do with prophetic words. Uh, and this is also great because it, it means that we're listening well. We're listening to God well. We're listening to others well. We're not thinking what I'm going to say before they speak or, or b- before they finish speaking. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to inject or try to teach them, that kind of thing. Um, all right, we're going to skip down a little bit. Actually, no. 1 Corinthians 14.9. This, so, this is so good. 1 Corinthians 14.9 says, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So that's where Paul's saying, make it clear, make it edifying to people. I'd rather you make things really simple and dumb than be crazy and elaborate and showy. That's when that, that word of God can pierce. All right, and then I want to talk about this desire thing, and then Giselle's going to come up, and we're going to do a little prophecy over ourselves. Uh, So three times, Paul says to earnestly desire this gift. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14.1. 1 Corinthians 14.5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So here, he says, desire it. But then also we get a little sneak peek as to what the purpose of it is in the church, to build up. He's saying it's, it's better in the church to prophesy because it specifically builds up your brother or sister. Which again goes back, make it clear, edifying, helpful. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 so, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Earnestly desire to prophesy. And, and then one time in First Thessalonians 5, 20 uh, and 22. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So I want us to pray right now actually about that. Desire. Lord, this desire is from you. We ask that you would kindle our hearts to want to hear your voice and to serve and edify my brother and my sister. Thank you for releasing that desire, the craving that we can have to hear you speak. And Lord, make us a one-track focus on you in that. For our hearts to be humble 
that you only would receive worship and how we see you move. We lay ourselves before you. That we, as Paul, would be willing to look weak and inferior if you would move. And that we just want to see your power displayed. Stay in that place of prayer right now. James 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Lord, we ask for wisdom. It's your wisdom, and you give it. If that's something, if that's something you, you're like, I mean, if you're like me, <laughs> like, wow, that is an extreme qualification there. <laughs> Let him ask in faith with no doubting. I'm like, well, that discounts me, right? <clears throat> but what I want us to be encouraged there uh, that I think the Lord sees our faith so strongly with how we act out of what we might feel him doing. So every reservation like we can we can be throwing up Hail Marys all day. We're just we're we're wanting God to move. And even when I doubt, my simple act of faith is worth so much to him. He sees it. <clears throat> uh we're going to share a few prophetic words, and there's going to be some more time. If you were at the conference uh, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> um, we may do something like that again where we're breaking up into groups. But I want, us, I want us to do a few prophetic words from the front right now and kind of break down, like, uh, I don't know what you have, but we'll kind of do application, or sorry, revelation, interpretation, application, but maybe we won't do the last two. <laughs> if that makes sense, because we want to be aware of what that might be or what the weight of it could be, if that makes sense. So, do you have anything? <laughs> yeah, I think I had two, yeah. and then maybe a corporate slash an exercise. Cool. Okay. Before we go into the exercise, yeah. let's, I'll have something else. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so I should just say the revelation part, or should I say my interpretation? Whatever you, whatever you feel, yeah. But okay. just clarify. Okay. It. Yeah. So for um, Lori, I um, this morning was reading about how 
when you look out on a horizon and you fix your eyes and you let your eyes relax into the horizon, then um, your brain releases endorphins. And the Lord brought that memory of me reading that this morning back to my mind. And he said that he wants you to look out to the horizon, um, that he's ready. Oh, this is the interpretation part. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> the revelation was him bringing it to my mind. I feel like the interpretation is that he's ready to dream with you again. That as you look past what's in front of you onto the horizon, he is releasing endorphins or the joy of him dreaming with you. Does that make sense? Okay. That's good. So the application would then be for Lori to start dreaming with God, however that would look for her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, um, the second one was harder. Um, okay. I think that the second one is for you. I don't know your name. Sophie. Okay. I felt like I saw um, a rain bow and a rain cloud and there was like candy follow falling from it and almost like a leprechaun gold thing at the end of the rainbow um, and then I felt like the Lord was saying that he brought the verse to my mind um, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart so like a person seeks for the leprechaun at the end of a rainbow he said, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That was it. That's good. Anyone else? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I had one. Uh, I forget your name. I know. Yeah. That's I wanted to say that, actually. I'm not lying. I wanted to say Finn. <laughs> uh, so the word I feel like I got was I saw a polar bear. Uh, and specifically, there was like, like a storage of fat for a long season. Um, so what I feel like would be the interpretation of that would be almost like, um, I don't know, drought might be a, a severe word. But the Lord is giving you things to prep yourself for endurance, for perseverance, to walk in those things right now. Uh, so that's where it's like, that, that uh, interpretation could be wrong. Obviously, the revelatory word could too, but it's like there could be a time Finn's at the zoo and he sees a polar bear and the Lord says something else and that was the meaning of the word. <laughs> so that's something for him to take that and go, okay, then how is this being applied to me? Does that make sense? Um, okay, and then, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that, I feel like the Lord said, keep the application simple. Um, and when Tyler was talking about the word that he was given as the heart of David, um, that he would have a season of being the heart of David, so he applied it by like diving into what that means. I asked the Lord if there was a word he was speaking about corporately to us, and it was very simple, just that his face shines on us. Um, and so I felt like throughout this week, I wanted to encourage you to remember that word and then ask, Lord, what does it mean in this moment that you've promised your face is shining on me? Every moment throughout this week, you've declared that your face is shining on me. So what does that mean? That's good. Yeah, stay up here. 
Uh, I want to do two things and then Giselle will break for us. Uh, if you feel like a dry and weary land of hearing God's voice, it's not going to work. Take heart, it will. The next thing to do is fast. You will hear him speak. It might not be for that time. It probably will be. Uh, but the Lord will show up in that. Like, he just, he just will. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, I want us to take, I want to do like 30 seconds of this. Uh, let's close our eyes, and we're going to ask the Lord, is there a previous word or prophetic thing that has been given to us that I forgot about? And the Lord wants me to go back and apply something with that. So, or would you uh, reveal to us if there's anything that we have not remembered? And you call us to remember what you've done and what you're calling us to. So would you speak to our hearts right now as to what you might be stirring in us? good. Let's take that and apply it. Giselle. Cool. Well, I actually feel like this is a wonderful place to cap off our night and invite the ministry teams to come up. So we are going to move into our third portion of our um, service. We're going to invite ministry teams up. They will be on either sides of this podium. You can um, line up in this center aisle if you want to receive prayer for them. I encourage you if you um, are like, oh, prophecy sounds so great. I want a word. Um, come up and ask for a word um, for ministry teams or also pray with a friend and be like, let's try this out this week. Um, try it out. It's super fun. It's edifying. I will go pray for us and then have a great week. Okay. Yeah, Lord, we bless you. We honor your name. We just ask that you would water the seeds that have been planted tonight, um, that we would be excited to hear your voice and speak it out to our friends. Thank you that your word never returns void. Um, yeah, that we get to be your mouthpieces, Lord. It's such an honor. Thank you for bringing life um, where there was death. And in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>